Hi there. You're listening to the Parent App Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. While there are no perfect families, every relationship can turn the corner. Hello and welcome to the Parent App Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. Now, in each episode of Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and of course, much more. And we'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us the experience and practical ideas. Today's episode is actually going to tackle the issue of how we deal with mental health challenges as a family, that it's okay not to be okay at home. And so we want to welcome uh, into the studio today, um, Lily, who is a stay-at-home mom, but uh, she also does a small business on the side, and she has three kids, uh, the youngest of whom is uh, Jack, who is currently in university uh, because he's age 23. Uh, welcome, Lily and Jack, to the studio. Hello. Hi. Uh, many people describe uh, depression as an inner prison. And um, that in itself is difficult, but even as uh, someone outside of that prison, it's difficult to see our loved ones struggle with depression and, and feel like we don't have the key to get them out of their prison. Uh, but, you know, we want to encourage uh, families out there, if you have a family member at home who's struggling in this area of uh, mental health, you know, even while we can't get into that prison with them, we can still choose to sit right outside the doors and keep doing whatever we can to just even help them know that they are not alone. And we're really thankful that today we have our, our mother and son, uh, Lily and Jack, come into our Paranet podcast to share uh, their journey, their experiences dealing with a mental health issue as a family. Jack, it's been, um, I guess, about 10 years since you've kind of discovered that you have this uh, mental health condition. Um, you know, can you just share with us and give us a picture of what this journey has been like? Um, how has life changed or had to change for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad you, you said that because I, I didn't get a chance to say just now that I'm quite thankful that the past one and a half years has actually been significantly better in terms of my emotional state, my symptoms, my performance, um, both in, in school and in sports and music and stuff like that. Um, but, but definitely for the first maybe three or four years, just the whole concept of coming to terms with that you have a mental health condition and it's something that is not exactly very, I would say in our society now, it's not easily believable. Not many people would take you seriously. And if, with, with, with the symptoms already being very hard to cope, um, and you can imagine like, having to do, like, sit for um, a national exam when, you're, when your brain just, if you can't sleep consistently for the entire week. Um, it, it, it is frustrating. And like, a lot of times I found myself wondering, like, what's wrong with me? You know, why can't I be normal? That kind of thing. And, and, I, wouldn't, and I wouldn't say that I'm completely free from those thoughts even now. And even though I would say that I'm almost like 95% recovered, there are still once in a while times where I maybe I don't function as well. Even though it's not as bad as what it used to be, sometimes it can have a bit of a flare-up. So for example, COVID-19 has definitely been a very, very difficult time, especially for people with mental health conditions, not being able to go out as much, not being able to do the stuff that you want to do. 
uh, see your friends, that kind of thing. And personally, I've struggled with sleep uh, ever since COVID started in February and March. Sometimes it's really, really good. Sometimes I can get a full night of rest. Sometimes I, I don't sleep at all. Yeah, I think while there are many, many coping strategies that I would definitely like swear by, many, many things that I'm very, very thankful for in learning how to cope with this disorder, I would definitely not shy away from the importance of social support and particularly the family. You know, um, you can have as many good friends as you want, but in the end, the family is forms the home that you come home every day. They are the, they are the people who will love you unconditionally, even if you have like for a month, maybe you're just completely, really, really difficult to heart to, to talk to, maybe un completely unlivable with, but they're still going to love you. And so that's that's why home is so important. Yeah, maybe that's why I can share for now. Thanks, uh, Jack. You know, um, maybe if you could just um, uh, help the parents who would be listening to this show. Um, if they have a child who is sort of struggling in this area of mental health, um, what would you actually, you know, suggest that they do? And <laughs> perhaps they, I don't know, never talked about uh, mental health or any of such uh, topics at at home, but they they might suspect that their child is um not doing so well. Yeah. Well, what 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 has been helpful for you in your journey? And as you said, you know, finding that family support is so important. So, what can can parents out there do? I think the very first thing that we all have to do if we have someone that's very close to us that has a mental health condition is to let them know that they are important to 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 us that we acknowledge that they are suffering and that we are here for them for their recovery, not to downplay anything. And when, when we are talking about these issues, we have to remember that mental health conditions as a whole, they are very, very complex. They are not definitely not make-believe. And there has been 50 years of scientific research to prove that point. But even now, um, with, with the absence of knowing people who, who struggle with this personally, sometimes we are very quick to dismiss that, you know, like this, in the Singaporean context, I mean, we, we just like say that, oh, this guy is Xiao, maybe this guy is like, has always been like this, you know, he, he needs to get a hold of himself. But we need to remember that there are medical problems that should be managed by medical professionals, be it therapists, psychologists, or psychiatrists. And, we need to also remember that these conditions can possibly be psychiatric and therefore requires intervention by a medical doctor. I think it's it's really a, a pity when the people who are closest to us don't know that we are there for them. Personally, I've known people who have passed away from complications of depression, not just depression, but also eating disorders and schizophrenia. And I just wish that the people around them would have been better equipped to help. There isn't blame to put when someone suffers from this condition. There must be much more room in understanding, in love and in kindness and in patience. Uh, for the people who are struggling with mental health conditions themselves, unfortunately, I don't have an answer, a surefire way to, to, to cure the disease or make it go away. And I don't think that anybody does. But the thing that I found most helpful over the years and the most pragmatic advice that I can give is to pursue your hobbies and anything that may interest you. You know, we'll be very, very surprised that actually when we, when we love something, 
you know, with joy comes excitement, with excitement comes hope. Yeah, so this can take the form of anything for a while. Uh, when I was struggling with my symptoms, all of a sudden I realized that I like to cook. I don't anymore, but at that time, you know, I would make every excuse to like make a very simple dish. And from, from the aspect of my family, it, it just requires maybe more cleaning up to do after, which of course I will do. So close ones should definitely, within reasonable limits, do try and support them in things that they enjoy. Those are great practical tips and I hope parents out there, you hear that um, very big don't, don't downplay, you know, what your child may be feeling and going through. Uh, definitely don't tell them to just snap out of it. Um, Lily, if I could now turn the conversation back to you, you know, I, I hear your heart and, and uh, as, a, as a mom wanting to protect your child. What has been the most difficult part of this uh, journey in uh, walking with Jack through his condition? And uh, what has helped you and to help him? The most difficult part is when they're feeling lousy, when they are better, when they sleep well, when they are happy. You forget those low moments very fast. But when they are going through a bad patch, uh, they can't fall asleep. They don't feel like going out. Uh, they don't want to get up from bed. Um, they feel that um, everything is um, hopeless, as it were, like, you know, no energy to be interested in anything. Those moments are very tough because you really feel for them. You've got to struggle against the natural instinct of just getting them out of bed and forcing your way and bulldozing your way and telling them, you know, just... Like you said, snap out of it. But that is so unkind because if they could snap out of it, why wouldn't they have done so? So uh, those moments are very difficult. It really calls for you to be patient. It really calls for you to just love them unconditionally. It really calls for you to be so intentionally and deliberately patient and loving. But, you know, they are your child and you wouldn't love your child less if you lost a leg or an arm. You know, you wouldn't lose your child less if they had make a silly mistake. So why would you love your child less if they have a mental health issue? So, and you know that it's not something they want. Uh, they happen to be the, if I may use the word unfortunate lot that is wired in a certain way that predisposes them. So you find that just being there, just, just being there, sometimes um, giving them space, if they want to be alone and then going in to check on them or bringing them a tea then or just like sitting in the room reading the papers uh, while they are doing their stuff or uh, just asking do you want to go for a drive and all that just being there and not expecting him to uh, come out of it anytime because that in itself is a pressure for him. Thank you both for your very heartfelt sharing. I know it's uh, difficult to talk about this issue and actually Many, many families don't. Um, would you, with your experiences um, going through this in the family, actually advise um, parents or, or, I don't know, even the, the kids themselves to begin these conversations at home, uh, recognizing that, um, as you shared earlier, Jack, that even today in society, there is still some stigma with regards to uh, mental health. Um, and of course, we, we, we may also have some personal reservations uh, with regards to how we uh, 
um, treat so-called uh, mental health, um, like um, Lily, you shared earlier, you know, um, the, the reservation, for example, of um, maybe being reliant on medication. Uh, so so how, how would you encourage, you know, families to just start talking about this at home? I would like to reassure everybody um, who is considering taking medication or has been advised by a doctor that medication is is not a something that you just throw at the condition and you hope it gets better. It's a very evidence-based, very specific in the way that it is administered, very, very careful. Trials have been conducted to ensure that the medication is both safe and beneficial to the patient. And if, I would say that if you are unsure, uh, if this is your first time battling a mental health condition, there really isn't any harm with seeking a second opinion. The general rule for any mental health condition is being able to talk about it. N nothing good comes out from bottling it. Whether or not you are uh, the, the close one of the person who's suffering from it or the patient himself, him or herself. For families, I would strongly suggest paying a little bit more attention in the way that we talk to each other. Something that I always say to both my friends and my family that it's, it's never about what you say, but how you say it. Because how you say it reflects the way that you respect someone. Like whether, whether or not you see this person as an equal, uh, someone that you treasure or the person that you love. The way that you speak will let the person know that, that he or she is valued in spite of his condition. I would also suggest that not just for families with who struggle with mental health conditions, but really any family or everybody, you know, if if, if you know someone or maybe an acquaintance or a close friend who's suffering from a mental health condition, it's always good to go beyond a normal how are you. When, when when you talk to, to that person, be careful not to sound as if you are sympathetic or you pity the person. Talk to the person with love, with kindness, with patience. Yeah. Don't force the person to talk if he's not ready to talk. Yeah, and, and, and lastly, I think when we talk about mental health conditions in general, it's very important that we treat them as medical conditions and not some kind of like pseudoscience mumbo-jumbo. When you know someone, for example, if a friend was telling me about another friend that is struggling with eating disorders or depression, instead of, of, of commenting about the condition or saying, has she always been like that? Or something that doesn't really reflect true concern. Something that I always find helpful to, to say to my friends, uh, to my acquaintances, is to ask them, how are you feeling now? Um, has he or she sought medical help? Is there anything that we can do for this person at this moment of time? Does the person know that there are people who care for them? Would you want to add anything, Lily? Um, Lily, you have had conversations and you were talking about how you've you've always, you know, been stayed connected with your kids, including with Jack, uh, even while he was overseas, and you you would constantly um, talk and connect. Did you? ever, you know, speak about this area of uh, mental health challenges and the, I mean, did the topic ever come up and yeah, how would you even advise families to start broaching the topic? Well, when children were young, there were always moments when they felt they weren't happy in school or they weren't happy with their friends and um, there's ups and downs of um, 
in their growing up years. Um, years when the friends were so important outside and years when they were upset with their social life. I've always thought that they should know that the home is a sanctuary, that you should always come home and it is where you are safe, it is where you are accepted. I've always hoped that they would look forward to coming home. Then naturally speaking, as a family, uh, we would have our trips as well. There would have been moments when we are impatient or unkind to each other. Um, but operate on the basis that I am flawed uh, and there are moments they are flawed as well. And when we make mistakes in the way we speak, that I would go and diagnose this to them and say that I think I was kind in how I say it. Or there were moments when say let's agree to disagree and then we will give each other a hug because we obviously saw things from very different perspective so i think if there is a relationship we can always work things uh, it's when the relationship is deep, isn't it so if i have one thing to say to parents whose children are going through such difficult times it would just be that, you know, if your child is paralyzed from the waist down, you would have to learn how to take care of him. You would have to go into rehab with him and learn how to help him in the initial period. And then you would have to learn how to cheer him along when he takes over the care of himself. So this is no different. I had to learn what I can say, what I must bite my tongue not to say, and if it slips out of me, to just learn and apologize and learn that, okay, I have to not say in this way or I have to not say at all. And then along the way, uh, when he in turn, Jack in turn, gives me insight into mental health issues, I had to applaud him because he's teaching me. And indeed, he has taught me. I mean, you can hear from him. He is someone who is so about this issue and obviously it's because it is first-hand experience for him um, so in that sense um, it isn't like you know I'm his parent and I'm teaching him all this uh, positive way of thinking and all that kind of thing it isn't that because he's smart he knows if it can be so easily absorbed he would have done it um, so he takes his moments to learn and then he teaches me in return which I uh, am thankful and grateful. Yeah, so I think the young people, if we really not turn them down, have so much to offer us in return. You know, they live in the real world. In some sense, sometimes I feel I live in a bubble. So it's been an interesting journey, not without tears, uh, not without worries, but certainly not without joy as well. We've both had many moments when we said that, oh, Certain things have become clearer why it is crisis. You know, certain things were not quite right in the home. And to correct that. There were powerful moments as well. There were there was a particular moment when he was the mediator, when Jack was the mediator of an argument I had with an old my older child. That was amazing for me, because he's the youngest in the family. Uh, and for him to be able to stand up and say, Look guys, you're not listening to each other. This is what mom meant. And this is what 
Pokemon Man. That was a sign to me that he really is, is, is maturing and he's wise beyond his years. At the end of the day, um, our kids are also growing up, right? And they're becoming, you know, a, a, a person in themselves, individuating. And it's um, it's so refreshing to also hear um, you share your, your parenting journey and your learnings and, and how I think all of us as parents, we need to continue to um, be humble and willing to learn from our kids because as they grow up, they have much to also teach us about ourselves and about uh, this very rapidly changing and evolving world that we live in today. And uh, for all parents out there, we want to encourage you, you know, to have that connection with your child. As we've heard today, you know, it starts even with that, that connection so that we can broach a very taboo, still taboo, somewhat subject like mental health with our, our kids and also how to... Um, be supportive and learn how to maybe parent them in a different way where they uh, will have their needs met. Um, so this has been the Parent Podcast. And, you know, uh, before we end, we just want to encourage uh, all those out there, if you have any other questions, particularly in this area of uh, parenting a child with a mental health uh, uh, condition uh, that we can help you with, please do write to us at parent ed, that's P-A-R-E-N-T, parent with an E-D, at family.org.sg and of course you can also subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter with tips and uh, articles on family life um, so until next time we just want to thank once again our mother and son uh, Lily and Jack for joining us on the Parent Ed podcast thank you